the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. And we are so thrilled that you're with us here today. Catherine, we are jumping right into a story that has been all over the news this week. Yes. Uh, Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen, 37-year-old who worked at Facebook for a number of years, um, did some brave things and went public with a lot of documents about some of the uh, seemingly horrible things that are happening over at Facebook. Have you? I mean, I know you're in the world, so you've oh, got yeah. a chance to hear this story. I have. And, you know, I think for years we've suspected, we've heard rumors of things, um, how the algorithms are working against us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, her... The thousands of pages of internal research and documents that she released, um, it's incredible. It is incredible. And if you've uh, listened to the show before, you've heard Brian and I talk about the social dilemma. I believe that's the name of the documentary on Netflix that has talked about this. But now what we're seeing in real time is actual proof of some of the um, uh, allegations that they made that really Facebook is knowingly, and not just Facebook, but it's platform platform affiliates are um, knowingly using their algorithms to cause harm really, really detrimental. Right. And I don't think it's that they are sinister, mm-hmm. but that they are choosing to benefit themselves rather than benefiting the common good. The co- Oh, nice. I, I did. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that, Catherine. Yeah. The common good. That's right. Well, we have some audio for you from an interview Francis Haugen was a part of on 60 Minutes earlier in the week. And this is uh, first one is really, really fascinating because it's the story of her taking documents, making copies over time and making sure that she left with um, absolute proof of what was going on. Let's take a listen to that. When and how did it occur to you to take all of these documents out of the company? At some point in 2021, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do this in a systemic way and I have to get out enough that no one can question that this is real. She secretly copied tens of thousands of pages of Facebook internal research. She says evidence shows that the company is lying to the public about making significant progress against hate, violence, and misinformation. One study she found from this year says, We estimate that we may action as little as 3 to 5 percent of hate and about six-tenths of one percent of violence and incitement on Facebook, despite being the best in the world at it. To quote from another one of the documents you brought out, We have evidence from a variety of sources that hate speech, divisive political speech, and misinformation on Facebook and the family of apps are affecting societies around the world. When we live in an information environment, that is full of angry, hateful, polarizing content. It erodes our civic trust, 
It erodes our faith in each other. It erodes our ability to want to care for each other. The version of Facebook that exists today is tearing our societies apart and causing ethnic violence around the world. Ethnic violence, including Myanmar in 2018, when the military used Facebook to launch a genocide. Catherine, that's sobering. I mean, there's no other word for it. The fact that what's happening online is not just impacting even us in our little private worlds on our phones, but actually impacting societies in such a devastating way. What did you think when you first heard that? I I mean, it's hard to take it in. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like I said, I think we're not unaware of the downsides of social media. But for the most part, I think we see it as a place to connect with family and high school friends. Right. For people like you and I, a place to meet other authors or to talk about our books. Absolutely. Um, and it really, it can be a tool we use for good. And it's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it also platforming genocide. Absolutely. Because then you're, you're left with a really ethical dilemma, which is, is it okay to be on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to use it for good knowing that it's, it's knowingly doing things for evil? I mean, it's a really complicated question now about social media now that this is out in the world. It is. There's another um, clip that I want our listeners to hear more about the algorithm, like how Facebook actually does what it does. This is again with the interview Francis Haugen at 60 Minutes. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Haugen told us the root of Facebook's problem is in a change that it made in 2018 to its algorithms, the programming that decides what you see on your Facebook news feed. So, you know, you have your phone. You might see only 100 pieces of content if you sit and scroll off for, you know, five minutes. But Facebook has thousands of options it could show you. The algorithm picks from those options based on the kind of content you've engaged with the most in the past. And one of the consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction. But its own research is showing that content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing, it's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions. Misinformation, angry content is enticing to people and keeps them on the platform. Yes. Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site, they'll click on less ads, they'll make less money. Aubrey, I have... And your guest co-host before, and something we've talked about in the past is how we are drawn to keep tuning into something that's telling us there's a danger mm. or there's a reason to be angry. Yes. Um, I, you know, Facebook and all social media, it's literally called new media. We haven't really grappled with the society of how to regulate it, how to use it responsibly. Right. Um, it makes sense that this algorithm is just going to keep feeding our darker selves, mm-hmm. unless we as a society intentionally say, we're not grown up enough for that. Like, we need some yeah. boundaries yeah. to keep us from just feeding on our fears and our hatreds and our anger. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that ultimately is the question is, can we separate ourselves enough from our social media usage, or at least now that we have this information, to go, okay, Am I using this in a way that they're wanting me to use it or have I had 
um, agency in this. And Mm -hmm. I, I think knowledge is power, right? And so this is a moment where we... I'm never one to be like, okay, so get rid of all social media for all. I don't think that's actually realistic, but I am. Can I be more mindful? Can I be more responsible? Can I think about this for my own children and for the next generation, how we are consuming our social media? It's not benign and it's not neutral. And so there's responsibility now on us. What do we do? And I don't know if that I know the answer, but just sometimes I think even knowing is a helpful step towards knowing the answer. I agree with that. I think as digital citizens, how are we using our digital time? There you go. But also as citizens, we can contact our legislators and say, this matters to me. Let's come up with some agreements, some legislation, some regulations, Mm -hmm. some accountability. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how this story continues to unfold and impact social media probably for years to come, honestly. Honestly. Well, we are off and running here on The Common Good. Catherine and I are going to return and talk about her brand new book that's coming out in February. It's called Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my special guest co-host, Catherine McNeil, who also now is going to put on a different hat because I am going to interview her as my very special guest. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for being here for that. Love it. Part of this is because Catherine is an author. She has written not just one, not just two, but her third book is coming out in February. It's a book called Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. If you listen to the show regularly, you may have heard Catherine talking about Afghan refugees on Monday's show. We talked about an article by Kent Annan at the Humanitarian Disaster Institute who reminded us that often when um, there are people we think we should fear or people we think are our enemies, that actually as Christians, one of the most important things we can do is love those people. And even as we just finished talking about Facebook and what's happening with the algorithms there, how Facebook has really been part of the division we're seeing in our country right now. Catherine's book is so timely, Mm. reminding us to love everyone, our neighbors, strangers, and even our enemies. All right. So, Catherine, are you ready to talk about this book? I am so ready. All right. It uh, remind people when it comes out. February? Yes. Fearing Bravely is going to be available on February 8th of 2022, which is Feels like a long time from now, but if you pre-order it today, it will just show up at your house. So you don't even need to remember. I love it. And you should get a copy for yourself and for a friend, maybe for a Christmas present. I don't see why not. All right, Catherine, let's just talk about the title. Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. And I'm asking about the title because I know you went back and forth on different iterations of this title. Tell me why you landed on Fearing Bravely. Well, you know, one of the themes of this book is that for people who choose to follow Jesus, um, Jesus is commanding, inviting, calling us to live out of a posture of love rather than fear Mm. towards our neighbors, even strangers and even enemies. Um, And we went through a couple of rounds where it's like, should it be like no fear or um, and but I really pushed back on anything that was saying like let's get rid of fear because the fact is is that Jesus is asking us to do this in an unsafe world and mm. Jesus is very clear 
on how unsafe the world is. Jesus was literally killed yeah. by his enemies. Yeah. Um, so it's not that there's it's not a Pollyannish approach to like, oh, everything's fine. Everything is safe. That's why we can be loving. Um, but I want us to fear bravely. And I want our fear of God, not our terror of God, not our concerns about an abusive overlord, but our our worship of God, mm. the fact that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, who loves, mm. who redeems through kindness, mm. who lays down his life for his enemies rather than destroy his enemies. I want us to be so focused on God that we are brave in our fear and we are able to risk love mm. for our neighbors and even strangers and even enemies. I love that, Catherine, because in one sense, you're honoring fear. Yeah. And you're saying, yes, we are afraid. We are people who are afraid. And partly because there are scary things in this world. There absolutely are. There's no point in talking about this from a naive perspective. Yeah. They're, the world is dangerous. Yeah. But you're saying, and, not even but, you're right. saying, and. and love anyway. Reach out yeah. to your neighbors, strangers, and enemies that's, anyway. That's the gospel. Mm, I think it's so powerful. Catherine, um, I, I hope you're willing to answer <laughs> this question. Where has the church done this wrong? Oh. And let me let me categorize that. Where has the American Western Evangelical okay. Church okay. done this wrong? You know, the book itself is very story-driven. I, wa- I always want the reader to be sucked into this story and not be able to put it down just like a really good novel. But I myself did a lot of research for it, and I was devastated to just find study after study where when asked about loving strangers like immigrants or refugees— White evangelicals came out at the bottom. Mm. Um, when asked about, when, when society is, in general was asked, um, who do you view as hateful versus loving, welcoming versus dangerous? Yeah. White evangelicals were, again, at the bottom. Mm. And I think any of us could push back and be like, oh, but what about this church who's doing so much good? And oh, what about this group of Christians, white evangelical Christians who are doing absolutely I would like to count myself among them. Yeah. Um, but the fact remains is that God said his people would be known by their love. Mm. And God said his people would be known by their unity and service to all people. Mm. And um, in fact, we see that the early church was criticized for being so willing to step outside of the normal boundary lines yeah. to serve people that it was not popular to serve yeah. the people that were considered dangerous yeah. the people who were considered enemies and they were criticized for that mm. i would love for the church to be known as scandalously loving mm. scandalously compassionate yeah oh it's so good Catherine. i cannot i've actually read an early copy of the book and endorsed it it is powerful you should get yourself a copy right now Again, the title of Catherine's new book is Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. It comes out in February, but you can pre-order it now. Catherine, because this is such a story-driven book, are you willing to share a favorite story from the book? Give us a little sneak peek into some content early. Oh, let me think. I would love to. Okay. Uh, You know, some of the stories that I tell are from history. Some of them are from the Bible. I actually love retelling faithfully, Mm -hmm. but in my own words, some of Jesus' stories um, I, I, I do love the way I unpack the parable of the Good Samaritan in this book. It's yes. one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, one of my favorite stories, because it's funny, um, my husband and I were powerfully stranded in the front of our 
of our yard, uh, our our car was deeply stuck in the mud. We don't have a driveway, so it was literally stuck in our yard. And we spent an entire Saturday morning trying to push ourselves out. And we it was mu- it was that kind of muddy January oh, mess. Yes, yes, a muddy, icy, snowy yes, January. Yes, all of that. I know exactly and what you're talking about. <laughs> we had called for a tow truck, but it wasn't going to be able to come for ages. And we were really trying to get it out on our own. And we live on a pretty busy street, and neighbor after neighbor after neighbor literally crossed on the other side. Oh! They had to move around us because we were blocking the lane because mm. our car was like half in the in the street and half in the yard. They literally had to cross on the other side to avoid stopping to help wow. us. And at one point, I just like laid on the horn and shouted, "What is wrong with our neighbors?" <laughs> did you really? I did. Finally, someone pulled over. It was actually a, a recent immigrant. Mm. He didn't speak very much English. Mm. We had to kind of communicate in sign language. But he had a truck, a pickup truck for the work that he does. He had chains. Uh, he pulled us right out in awesome. less than a minute. Wow. And I was just so powerfully reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan, right. where Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor? Because mm. we know we're supposed to love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus described a stranger. Ooh. And then as you dig into the story, you realize it's a stranger that's viewed as an enemy. Yes. Oh, so good, Catherine. Oh, I cannot wait for everyone to get their hands on this book. Okay. Where can people find and follow you? Where can they pre-order the book? Well, my website, Catherine McNeil, will point you in the direction of all my social media. You can sign up for my newsletter there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The works. Everywhere. Um, My book is available wherever books are sold, or it will be, but the pages are up. So you could find me at Amazon, um, at my publisher, navpress.com, Barnes & Noble, that kind of thing. And will there be an audio version for people who like Audible? There will be, and I will be reading it myself. (gasps) I love when authors read their own books. I'm really excited. All right, so grab a copy, a pre-order, I should say, of Catherine's brand new book. Again, the title is Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. You can get it on Audible or Amazon or wherever it is you like to buy your books. Next up, Catherine's going to uh, switch places with me and interview me about my new book, Known. So be sure to stick around for that. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and my regular co-host, Brian Fromm, is out. But we are joined by a very special guest co-host, a regular guest co-host at this point, Catherine McNeil. Catherine, thanks so much for being here again. Oh, I'm so glad to be back. And now... We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to hand the reins over to Catherine. I just interviewed her about her brand new upcoming book. She's going to interview me about my book, Known, that came out about a month ago now. Well, I am excited for this. All right. So we've me kind too, of switched Catherine. spots around the table. And this is my show now. So Take-o- It's the Catherine McNeil Takeover. So Aubrey Sampson, thank you so much for being my guest today. <gasps> thank you for having me. I'm so honored <laughs> to be here. Did you have any trouble finding the place? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Aubrey, I love this book, and you know that. I I always think of your books as my grandbabies. They, they kind of maybe are. my godbabies. Yes, you know. Yes, like, they're not mine, but almost. Like yes, I didn't put any work into it, but I love them like my own. You love them into I do. existence I do. with me. Yes. Um, and this book in particular, known how believing who God says you are changes everything. Can you give us like a sneak peek? 
how does believing who God says you are change everything? I know. Isn't that a, it's a little bit of an audacious subtitle. It well, changes everything. I, I, th- I believe that one of the most foundational uh, beliefs that we can have as Christians is the not just the knowledge, but the understanding and the encounter, the internalization of the fact that you and I have been created in the image and likeness of God mm-hmm. and that we are deeply loved by God. Yes. Because I think, frankly, Catherine, there are a lot of Christians, one, that don't know they were created in the image and likeness of God mm-hmm. and don't treat others like they were created in the image and yeah. likeness of God. And, and, a lot of Christians walk around not knowing that God is a good God who oh, loves them. Wow. There are a lot of Christians who think there is an angry God who hates them. You're right. And those are followers of Jesus. Yes. But the reality is from Genesis to Revelation, we have a good God who loves us, who made us, who handcrafted us in his image and likeness with a purpose and for a purpose. Now we know that sin has broken the way we image God, but sin has not changed the fact that from the dawn of time, you and I were made by God's hands because he loves us. And so it's a, you know, it's almost a basic message, but I feel like it's a forgotten message. And so I wanted Christians just to remember, like, God loves you. God sees you. God knows you. And God has good for you. And it's such a foundational message Mm -hmm. because if we don't start here, if we start from a broken place of believing that we are worthless in God's eyes, right? that uh, God is angry and vengeful, Mm -hmm. then anything we do for God is going to be broken. Yeah. But if we can start at this foundational place, God is love. I am loved. I am safe in God's love. I'm made new in God's love. Yes. I don't need to be working out of anxiety or fear. Mm -hmm. Then everything we do for God at least has a chance of bearing that fruit of the spirit. Yeah, that's exactly right, Catherine. that's so good. Aubrey, you talk a lot about names in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, the names that we choose for ourselves, the mm-hmm. names that others put on us, mm-hmm. and how those are often contrasted with the names that God gives us. Can yeah. you say a bit more about that, and how can we learn what name God has for us? Yeah, I, thank you for asking that question, Catherine. I, you know, there are there are ways that we name ourselves that are false names, right? Mm-hmm. I am. Anytime you think I'm too whatever i'm too bossy i'm too controlling i'm too emotional i'm 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 too dumb um or i i'm too much like we tend to go i'm too little or i'm too much right or i'm just not fill in the blank enough we name ourselves in those ways all the time and sometimes we don't even think about it well just the the phrase will pass like oh i'm so stupid i can't believe mm-hmm. i did that again and we don't even realize these really damaging things that we're speaking over ourselves that we would never speak over our friend. But then of course there are other names that the world names us or maybe a critical person in our lives has named us. And, you know, I, I know sometimes we go through life not really thinking about it, but the reality is, is those names do get into the fabric of our souls and those names can cause a lot of shame a lot of pain, a lot of damage, and can keep us from really living into the vibrant life that God has for us. And the reality is that we have names throughout Scripture. They're foundational. They're anchored in God's Word that God has spoken of. Names like Beloved. Names like you are God's son, you are God's uh, daughter, you are a royal priesthood. I mean, there's names throughout Scripture that God has spoken over us that I would love to see the generation and the next generations 
walk in, right? And then there's also, I, I think anecdotally, Catherine, God in his kindness and in his intimacy often whispers really personal mm. names over his children. Mm. And and I'm hesitant to say that because I know not everyone has an experience like that, but I know enough Christians, I include myself in this, who God has at some point in their lives through another person or through a word or, you know, through a book, through a, a time of meditation on the scripture said, this is who you are. Wow. And that's been so healing that I think we need to tell more of those stories that God has always historically named his children and is still doing that today. Is still doing it today. Yes. And it's not something we need to hold to ourselves. Right. When we're ready that gift can be for the people of God. Yes, that's exactly right. That's wonderful. Is there a particular story that you tell in this book that you would love to share with us today? Sure. Um, there's a, you know, I'll tell you my name story because I, okay. I kind of keep this one a secret yeah. for readers, but I'll tell it with you. Okay. And I'll try to keep it short because I know we're kind of running out of time here. But I, um, so one of my very first memories uh, when I was really, really little, I guess two years old, was camping in Mount St. Helens with my mom and dad. Amazing. And it's, I don't actually remember it, but it's one of those stories that has been told so often in my family that yeah. now I feel like I remember it. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah. It's like the family the legend. Lore. Yes. And ultimately, the the punchline of the story is that we were camping at Mount St. Helens when it ex- uh, erupted. Wow. And so we were, wow. yeah, now we were far enough from the actual like activity that we were able to get out and we okay. were safe. Of course, it destroyed. You survived. Dis- yes, we survived, <laughs> clearly. It destroyed Washington's economy and ecology, but that's part of our family story. We were there when Mount St. Helens erupted. Oh, my okay. Goodness. So in COVID, um, I began to pray, partly because I was writing a book on names, but partly because I was just wrestling with like, Lord, do you see me? I mean, I know mm. you see the whole world. I know the whole world is in your hands, but the whole world feels like it's falling apart. Do you see us? Do you see yeah. your people? Do you, where are you? What are you yeah. doing? What's the plan here? And I say all of that, of course, knowing God is sovereign, knowing that 2020 did not surprise God, but I'm still a frail human and I want that personal connection with the Lord. And so I began to pray that God would show me not only that he was with all of us in COVID, but specifically that he was with me through some things in my childhood. Wow. Because this is going to sound layered and complicated, but because the unrest in COVID brought up some childhood unrest okay. that I experienced. And I began, I didn't know the Lord until I was a little bit older. And so I just prayed, God, okay, I need to know you here now. And one way that I, I will know you here now is if I know you were there in my childhood before mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. you. Okay. There's a long setup to get to the point of the story, Catherine. And that's this. I, in the middle of COVID was praying with my spiritual director. We were ending our four years of spiritual direction together. And she said, as we closed our time together, Aubrey, there is a name that I believe God has for you. And she spoke this beautiful name over me. And I'll tell you what it is in just a minute. But it's um, the name of a flower that only grows in earthquakes or natural disasters. (gasps) And we were on, we were actually on a Zoom call together. And she said, but there's a very specific flower that I want to show you. And she pulled up a newspaper article of a flower called an avalanche lily. That fl- that grows in Mount Saint Helens. Are you kidding me? No, and I have so chills. I'm in this session with her together, and she says, "I don't know why, but God told me to tell you your name is Avalanche Lily, but specifically Avalanche Lily from Mount Saint Helens." And she says, "Does that mean anything to you?" 
And I just started sobbing and I said, God has answered my prayers. He knew me before I knew him and he was there in my childhood. Praise God. Aubrey, I have to give this show back over to you, but can you tell us where we can find our own copy of Known and other things that you've written? Yes, you can find Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. Wherever it is you buy your books, it's at AmazonNavPress.com. You can go to my website, AubreySampson.com, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Sam. Catherine, thanks so much. We'll be back to talk about how we can develop our prayer lives. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. We're so thrilled that you're with us today. And Catherine recently contributed to a brand new book of prayers and blessings for healthcare workers. And so I thought it'd be interesting to hear from her about that, but then also just talk about prayer and how we practice prayer in our own lives. So Catherine, can you talk to us about this brand new book that came out? Yeah, I'd love to. So myself, along with many, many other uh, writers, authors, pastors, contributed prayers blessings, and poems, this lovely little gift book called Prayers and Blessings for Healthcare Workers. Mm. Um, It's published by Morehouse Publishing in New York, Um, and it is intended to be a a book of encouragement, of prayers, of blessings for people who have been working in healthcare now during a pandemic that is heading towards its two-year mark in a couple of months. Wow! Uh, When I was asked to contribute to this, I thought to myself, Oh, sure. But by the time the book comes out, you know, it'll be over. Mm. But it's not. And I'm sitting here thinking of a couple of healthcare workers. I've got to get a copy of that and send it to them. Yeah, I I only contributed three. There are dozens, if not hundreds. And it's really beautiful. Mm. Would you um, read one of the prayers or the blessings that you wrote for the book? I would love for our listeners to hear that. I would love to. This is called A Blessing for the Weary. You who feel lost in the darkness... May a beam of light shine on your face in your path. You who journey through death, may you encounter a surprise in the valley, a sign of new life. You who feel sunk into despair, may hope come near to you, for true hope is born in the depths. In exhaustion, may you find sleep and rest. In suffering, may you receive peace and relief. In isolation, may you feel presence, a steady hand upon your back. You who have poured out all that you are, may life be restored to you. You who have lost more than you can face, may you discover that you are never alone. You who can go no further, may you find strength to lay down in the presence of God. Oh, Catherine, that brings me to tears. That's so beautiful. And I, I'm sure that's such an encouraging word, not just for healthcare workers, but for everyone who just heard that. Yeah, I'm not a healthcare worker. And like I said, I love the book. Again, the title of that book is Prayer and Blessings for Healthcare Workers. Is it available, Catherine, wherever you get your books? Wherever books are sold. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Well, that leads us into an important conversation about prayer and prayer practices and how we can really better develop our prayer life. So Catherine, do you have spiritual prayer practices that you tend to consistently? And if so, what are they? Oh, that's a good question. You know, one one that I love is the prayer of examine. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I'm in that phase of life, as are you and are so many of the listeners. Uh, I'm either taking care of my family or I'm taking care of my job responsibilities. Yes. And 
We've discussed in the past, I'm an introvert. I love to sit in a quiet room with maybe some candles and some light music mm-hmm. and just sit before God and just soak in that meditation. But mostly I'm like running here or there. Yes. And the prayer of examine allows me uh, to just use the moments that I'm in to remember that God is present. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I, I I haven't used the prayer of examine, honestly, since spiritual direction okay. a few months ago. So I'm like, oh, I should probably do that again. But for people who don't know, for examine, you tend to uh, look back on your day and where God has been present. Mm-hmm. And there are certain, there are different ways to do the prayer of examine. But um, I, I, I do feel like you're right, Catherine, in such a busy season, that would be good just to stop and, okay, Lord, where were you? Where was your hand at work? Where did I miss you? Where was I moving towards you and moving mm-hmm, away from mm-hmm, you? I feel like that's mm-hmm. a good idea. I I tend to journal prayers okay. uh, because otherwise I'm one of those people whose mind starts thinking about her grocery list or yeah. her email list or her, you know, the newsletter I need to write mm-hmm. really quickly. So if I just even like bullet my prayer list, I feel like, okay, I can concentrate. And then I, I tend to be someone who likes to join in. And Catherine, I know this is true of you too prayers that have been written historically for the church. Because I like the concept that I like to remember that this is a global faith we practice, a communal faith Mm -hmm. we practice, and not solely an individual faith. Yes. And so I wanted to read over our listeners. This was actually from the Book of Common Prayer last week, a prayer for Sunday, October 5th. I thought it was really beautiful. And there were some lines that I thought, Catherine, you and I could discuss. So let me read the whole prayer. Then let's go um, just a few lines and unpack them for the listeners. Love it. So here's the prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That is. All right. So, Catherine, let's just talk about this first line. You are always more ready to hear than we to pray. What do you think about that? That really, that was actually one of two lines that really struck me in this. Um, I don't know about you or our listeners, but I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to pray. Okay, what? Mm-hmm. How do I get into the right headspace? And God, does God even want to listen? And mm. okay, God, I'm sorry that I didn't pray yesterday. You know what I mean? <laughs> <That's so laughs> like true. we have all of this like business that we have to get through with God before we can just start. But, mm. but God's not, God doesn't, He's not waiting for us to give our absentee notices, yeah. you know, and like get the note from our parents. <laughs> he just, he's just ready. Mm. He's just here. And I think that's the biggest impediment and the biggest welcome for me is mm. just to realize I don't need to unpack whatever kept me from praying mm. up until this moment. I can just start this moment. Oh, that's so beautiful. It reminds me, there's actually another prayer practice. I think it's called looking at you, looking at me. Yes, Do you know what I'm talking I about? I love that. It's essentially where you imagine that God is looking at you, but you're not allowed to imagine God looking at you with anger or with disdain, but you imagine God looking at you with love and then you mm-hmm. enter your prayer practice that way. And I feel like that's that same invitation yes. that God is always ready to hear 
more than we are to pray. And you're right, Catherine. We don't have to go through. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We just can enter into his presence because of Jesus Christ. What was the other line that stood out to you? Um, it was pour upon us the abundance of your mercy. Because mm. also, don't we have such a... We're so hung up about scarcity. Scarcity. I was just thinking that. Yes, absolutely. We tend to think that... I don't know that God just has more for other people mm-hmm. than for us. Yeah. And I also think we have misunderstood uh, what abundance means. Because mm. for me, I can in my sinful self think, oh, abundance means my book selling really well. Ooh. Abundance means I have more followers on social media. Abundance means my my banking account is, is looking pretty sweet right now. Okay. And, but what does it really mean? Right. But then when I don't have those things, then I'm like, God, are you merciful, abundant? All do you love that person wow. more than me? And it, it starts to be about what God is giving me. This is what we talked Just about like before. We saying, yes. Yeah. In our in our worship music conversation, rather than about who God is, that God is so loving and so lavish and has sacrificed his own self through Jesus Christ. What do you think about God's abundance, Catherine, as we close? Well, I'm just so struck by the spiritual formation that that we need. I feel like it keeps coming up in all the conversations mm. we're having today that God is love. Let's just get our eyes off of ourselves yes. and just let's just look at God not because he's angry, but because he is abounding in steadfast love and kindness. Amen. Oh, such a good word. Well, we hope that encourages you today. Next up, Catherine and I are going to do one of uh, my favorite things to do with Brian. But I feel like Catherine is going to bring it because we are going to do a top five list when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. And we are about to do our favorite thing to do on the show each week. And that is a top five list. And uh, before we tell you, unveil to you what the top five list is, we want to play you our top five list theme song. Top five, top five, top five, top five. Top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Have you heard that before? Isn't it amazing? I have. That is over the top. I just, just love our producer, Debbie, for creating that. All right. Top five things with Catherine and Aubrey. And I picked this one specifically for Catherine because I know this is a passion of hers. Catherine, Mm. we are going to do top five karaoke songs. Oh, yeah, baby. So when you're up in that karaoke club or in your home doing karaoke, these are the top five songs you sing. Okay, I can do this. And just for just for our listeners to understand really quickly, and then we'll jump in. Catherine actually sings, and she loves karaoke. It's true. In my mind, I love karaoke. In real life, I'm a terrible singer. So this is, for you, this is your real list. For me, this is my dream list if mm. I was brave enough to actually do some karaoke. I have a real list. I, I literally have a playlist. <laughs> Called karaoke songs. It's on YouTube. I have a Amazing. microphone hooked up to our stereo speaker. Amazing. I just let my YouTube playlist. Okay, so scroll we're just through. going through the list you already have. That, I knew that this is, was going to be that the right is what one we're for you. doing. All right, Catherine, uh, why don't you unveil for us your number five karaoke song? Are we doing honorable mentions? We'll we'll do oh, that that's later. later. That's okay, later. Yes. Okay. No. No problem at all. I even though there is an actual list, it is hard. You know. Could, if you had 100 children, could you pick the top five? 
No, you couldn't. That would be really mean. So this actually. has been hard and painful for me. Okay. Because I could easily tell you my top 100 karaoke okay. songs. But I want to, you know, we've talked about some worship songs mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use my love of karaoke to lead myself and my children occasionally, if they can handle it, in a time of worship. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Wow. So one of my favorite songs to do karaoke but worship is The Goodness of God by Bethel Music. Oh, I love that. I don't know what it is about that song. Yeah. It really seems to lend itself to me holding a mic. But Catherine, you're a lot you more spiritual it. than mine. I don't have any worship songs well, on mine. So now I feel the like only a one. terrible person. Wow. That was, I love that. Okay. We're off and running. That's a good okay. one. Okay. So once again, mine is sort of, I had to choose more of the like talking person mm-hmm. songs. Because okay. again, I'm not a singer, but there's lots of songs where people sort of talk, sing, and that is what I try okay. to choose. And so my first talk singing song is a song called Rapture by Blondie. Fab Five Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is cool. Francois, c'est pas. Flash ain't no dupe and don't stop. She does a little bit of a hip hop rap in the middle of it. Okay. From the 70s as a white girl. And okay. So that is uh, my number five karaoke song. Okay. Okay. All right, Catherine, what is your number four? Well, the most of the rest of the songs are going to notably be power ballads from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be amazing. <laughs> yep. And it's tempting for me to sing them instead of list them. But, you know, Aubrey, you and I have done a lot of things together. Yes. But we have not actually ever. Done karaoke. We've together. never done it. It's because I'm intimidated okay. to do it with you because you're a real singer. Okay, so but what I is digress. That? Number four is "Power of Love" by Celine Dion. That's such a good song. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Celine songs could be meaningful for karaoke. I have a lot of Celine songs on my playlist. Wow. But it, we're doing top five. Was Power of Love from a movie? Was that from... That's not the Titanic. It was the... No. That okay. was... Love, my Heart Will yes. Go On. Yes. yes. And okay. Huey Lewis's Power of Love was in Back <laughs> to the Future. <laughs> Another great Power of Love yes, song. Yes, but that's not on my list. Okay, that's not on your okay, list. Okay, what's your number four? All right. My number four, and I. this is a song I like to sing when I'm by myself. Okay. So I'm choosing this, even though I might not actually ever sing it in public. I understand. But it is the song Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Oh. It's just such a beautiful song. Yeah, it is. Right? Yes. Yeah. So okay. I, if I ever sing publicly, it would be Tiny Dancer. I like that one. Okay, That's number good. three. What's your number three? Number three, not an 80s power ballad. Oh, shocking. The sh- duet Shallow by Lady Gaga <laughs> and Bradley Cooper. Oh, that's a good one. So funny story. Okay. There is a guy on YouTube who his thing is to sing the male version, the male part of duets. <laughs> yes. And so he and I sing together a lot. Wait, what? There's this YouTube guy. So he you sings karaoke, the male, <laughs> he sings the male part of various duets. That is awesome. And then he's quiet for the female. Okay. Yeah. So he and I sing a lot. I love that. That's your singing yeah. partner. And the random guy on YouTube. He and I do shallow together. Okay. That Thank is you. So Thank you, fantastic. YouTube guy, if you're listening. That is a that is a good karaoke song. Okay. My husband calls him my YouTube my karaoke boyfriend. <laughs> oh, 
god, that is awesome. Okay, how about you? Number okay, three. My number three, this is a song that my family likes to sing a lot together. Okay. I'm realizing mine are kind of old, but that's okay. This is a song by Janis Joplin called Me and Bobby McGee. Oh. And my family, my entire family will turn this on and sing it. And include, I include my mom, my dad, my sister, my okay. kids. We will bust this song out in the car. So okay. this would definitely be a karaoke song for me. Love it. That's very fun. All right, Catherine, you're number two, and then we'll do honorable mentions. Okay, my number two is Let It Go by Frozen. I mean, yes, obviously. That's I mean, a really good If one. you're going to put a mic in the hand of a woman, that, yeah, a soprano, that just has to come You up. have to sing yeah. Let It Go. Yeah, that's, yep. a, that's okay. actually a beautiful song. So I, that's a... My middle school son will not remain in the house if I sing it, but... <laughs> How about you? Number okay. two. I'm also going to go with the Disney song. Okay. And this is um, I See the Light from Tangled. I think it's it's a duet. Ooh. So I would need a YouTube, you need YouTube karaoke, karaoke boyfriend. boyfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I love I love that song so much. I think it's so beautiful. Once again, he, if I he could did sing, that song, actually. <gasps> Stop. Yeah, no, he can be your karaoke okay, boyfriend. I'm going to go after him, Catherine. I hope I have your permission. All right. Any honorable mentions well, before we, we go into our number oh, one? Before number one. Yes. Well, I already said there are so many, and I had to pick just a few, but I think my honorable mention would be literally anything from the 1980s collection of Madonna. Oh, sure, sure. That's very reasonable. I do them all. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. feel like that's a very valid... I'm going with, there's, again, the talking songs. Okay. I used to love, in the 80s, a band called NXS. They're out of Australia, and they have a song called Mediate that's basically all talking. Like, Mediate, that, I could do that all day long. And then I, I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite punk rock bands of all time, um, the Ramones. Oh. And they have a song called Rock and Roll High School that I was obsessed with throughout childhood and high school and college. And I make my kids listen to it. Okay. It's kind of a terrible song. I'll okay. be honest with you. But I would I would rock that out okay. in karaoke. Another old one. I can't wait to see that. Okay, someday. Catherine, ready for a drum roll and for your number one song. <laughs> yeah. Number one. Uncontested. Okay. This is my go-to. Okay. It is another 80s power ballad by heart. <gasps> Alone. more of a reaction than I expected it to because that is a good song. I, I mean, we have one more segment uh, after this, Aubrey. I could do it. I, I feel like we should just stop everything and that's what you should do. I love Heart. I had Heart on record. I, that is a fantastic song. Okay. It is. All right. My number one is a little more mellow. Do you need a drum roll? I need a drum roll. And again, this is an older song. And again, this is a song, if I could sing, I would dominate this song by Fleetwood Mac, Landslide. Oh! Yes. I mean, Stevie Nicks singing Landslide is one of the greatest gifts to humanity. Yep. All right. So that is our top five list of karaoke songs. Catherine, I feel like we need to leave from here tonight. We do. Go find a karaoke bar and get to work. Catherine, thanks so much for being here again this week. We so appreciate having you all the time. So fun. So fun. 
Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us today. Brian Fryman and I will be back on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Catherine McNeil, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.